0: Well, hello, everyone. It is uh, really great to be with you guys this weekend. Uh, my name is Joe. If we haven't met before, one of the pastors here at the Bath Campus, and we're going to be wrapping up the series that we've been in called Love Liable tonight. So excited to walk you through that and kind of uh, I'm actually pretty excited with how this played out, but we'll get into that in just a second. If we don't know each other very well, uh, I'm actually the host pastor at our Montrose site. So what up, Montrose? Good to see you guys. And uh, also our live sites. Thanks for checking us out as as well. But our Montrose site is one of two locations of our bath campus. And so uh, we have two places to do service, Gent Road. We have Montrose. Both of those are a part of our bath campus. Most of the time on Sunday mornings, you'll see me over there at Montrose. But I got to say, Montrose, you guys look really good from this angle too. Looking good over there. Uh, but uh, it is uh, really good to be with you. And uh, there's also some other things that I get to uh, dive into as well. And that's what we would call is our give it away world. And so. Here Here at Grace Church, uh, our motto is to know it, live it, and give it away. And so I get to be the lead pastor of Give It Away, which mostly means that I get to help the church continue to engage outside the walls of the church building. So out in our communities, out in our cities, and all around the world through global missions, uh, we get to dive into that stuff, and it's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of really cool things that are continuing to develop and come together, and we're seeing life change and impact happen in neighborhoods all around the Akron. Uh, area and also uh, all around the globe. And so it's fun to watch those partnerships continue to connect. It's awesome to see folks like you continue to jump in uh, in those ministries, whether it's in a neighborhood right here or take off on one of our 10 to 18 short-term trips around the world every year. Uh, It's a lot of fun to jump into those. And we're seeing great things develop and uh, progress in Haiti. There's some wonderful things happening there with our partner church and in that community that we're really excited about. We're also seeing a lot of um, stuff that we've been praying for begin to come to fruition uh, in Chad, things that we've been working on for nearly a decade. And so it's fun to see some of those seasons continue to ebb and flow and see local leadership really grab the reins and own what they want to see God do in their community and in their country. It's just awesome. And among other things as well, like our partners in Mexico and Philadelphia and all those things as well. So if you ever want to get involved in that stuff, there is a place for you to make amazing impact in our community and around the world. So let's jump on into that together. Now, today we're going to be diving into this conversation or continue this conversation about love. And we've really been kind of navigating this conversation all the way back to Easter, which may seem incredible to some of us. Like, wow, Easter... Now that I think about it, it was a ways ago, but uh, that's how awesome and deep love is, that we've been able to talk about it at least for this many weeks, and honestly, we could probably keep on going, um, but there's uh, a cap to things, right? And you guys want to change topics, it's fine. No, it's really good. Um, But what's really fun is we've seen this really kind of develop in the course of it to really paint this beautiful picture for us. And at Easter, it really is this catalyst of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. For us, and how that then actually implores us, excites us, inspires us to follow after that love that He has given to us. It leaves us liable to serve and care and love on other people. And so at Easter, we see Jesus giving His life up for us to die for our sins and then raising again, offering us eternal life. It's incredible, this gesture that He's given us, and that He's saying, Right now, I want you to uh, love. Each other as I have loved you in the same way uh, that I have given up my life for other people. I want you to do that for others. It's it's a continual way to show a real uh, love and intentionality with the people around you. And that's a big statement because Jesus did big things and Jesus did incredibly hard things But we've been walking through that in this series of what does that actually look like? Now, of course, after that, we got into different ways of how uh, we need to respond to Jesus' love, uh, how love keeps no record of wrongs. Uh, If you have heard that, if you were here for that message or you watched it online, that's where Jeff talked about a ping pong ball and a bucket thing. And it's actually become a thing in our family. We're like, hey, it's time to move a ping pong ball over. Like it's become real language. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I highly encourage you, get online, get on the app, recap those. We talked about how love is true, how love always protects, uh, how love trusts. And last week, Pastor Brad walked us through how love always hopes, which was incredible. And I feel like just totally fits Brad's personality. He's kind of a, a hopeful, encouraging guy kind of by his default nature. But this week, I get the end of that passage, which says that love always perseveres. And I'm like, Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> I get to talk about the hard stuff, the gritty stuff, the like. How does love continue to dig its heels in even when it gets hard? And so I have a little bit of a grudge against Brad, but apparently I'm love liable, and I need to like love him and forgive him and all that stuff. So uh, we'll we'll walk that through together. Uh, but today we really are going to talk about this uh, this idea, which is funny. Now, when I first think about things like perseverance. My mind uh, usually tends to go to things like this, that every pizza is a personal pan pizza if you try hard and believe in yourself, right? Like I can muscle through and make it happen and I've tested this and it's true, right? I have yet to meet a pizza that if, if you put your mind to it that you can't make a personal pan pizza. Matter of fact, somebody was just telling me about a challenge the other day that if you eat this entire pizza and drink like 64 ounces of you know soda or whatever during a meal, it's a $50 and If you eat it all in like an hour, and a half, like, you get a $500 reward, and I'm like, duh, like, when do I sign up? And then they told me it was for two people, and I'm like, well, I was confident when it was just me, so let's go, right, like, so pizza's my thing, I could definitely persevere uh, through that, probably should persevere a little bit less, but that's another day, stop judging me. Okay, so... But one of the things that's true, however, and maybe unfortunately, about our culture when it comes to perseverance is we're all about it when it's like someone else's life or when it's some like heroic story. Like, you know, if you watched Endgame a few weeks ago, like most of the world seemed to, you know, like Tony Stark perseveres to the end. And no spoilers, I'll stop there. But really, you should know by now. Uh, But like there's all this uh, idea of like heroism and watch how they fight, you know, till the end and they make it happen and they stick it out and suddenly like there's victory at the end. We're like, that's amazing. But then when it comes to like our life and we're like, you know, you really should persevere through that challenge or that hard relationship or that thing you're trying to discipline yourself. And we're like, back off, buddy, you do you, you know, like, and, and, and we don't want to hear other people challenge us and cheer us on to persevere. It tends to be how we go. We even have catchphrases for it, right? Like we talk about burning bridges all the time. We talk about the fact that, you know, you're dead to me, like that's that's like a thing, you know, like ugh, you're dead to me. Or, how quick are we to unfollow or unfriend or block or something like that on social media? Like, eh, you've posted too many things, I don't like being, you know, deleted, unfriend, I'm out, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not persevering through your antics. We see it all the time in our culture and our media where, like, you know, there's no more sparks, so I just bailed on a relationship, or you know, I just really followed my heart to this thing, and I'm not persevering through any challenges or any muddy waters, I'm out, I'm done, right? Give into to whatever your heart desires, and don't let it worry, and if it takes you away from things, like, our culture continues to perpetuate that, and even in a serious, meaningful, ceremonial moment. Right. Like when we're in the throes of a marriage vow, we say things like for richer or for poorer, for better, for worse. Right. And we get through all of that. And in the back of our minds, like we mean it, but we're totally like, but I mean, we're going to be richer and healthier and better. So like, whatever, like, here we go. We don't really think always through the implications of what if we have to persevere through all the bad stuff, which leaves us kind of high and dry when the bad stuff starts to hit us. And then we're challenged to persevere, like Jesus has called us to persevere, and like he persevered for us, and it gets real hard, real fast, and that we just want to back out. We might say, bye, Felicia, you know, we're done. Like we are checking out of this whole scenario. We're saying, I don't want to persevere through any of that. Now, as I was preparing for this weekend, uh, one of the things that I really strongly kind of see thematically throughout the entire Bible is this idea that perseverance and endurance is scattered throughout the whole thing. It's actually a pretty large theme. And tonight we could get into probably various different kinds of what perseverance means. At a minimum, we could get into three, where we talk about what does it mean to persevere with the Lord as he calls us to certain things, as he engages us through different pathways of life, what does it mean to continue to persevere through the circumstances that seem to be dealt us? That we're walking through, like, why is it fair that I have to walk this kind of life and other people get to walk this kind of life? And we can kind of walk through a perseverance as it just directly relates to what God is engaging us in. And there's perseverance also when it comes to ourselves. How do we discipline ourselves into what our life is supposed to be like how do I keep to fight the good fight and battling temptation and trying to discipline myself into good habits and continue to do the things that God has modeled for me and now he's calling me to do? How on earth do I do those things? And we can talk about perseverance in a personal way. But as we engage tonight and we wrap up this idea of being love liable, how do we love others? We're really going to dive in tonight specifically of what perseverance looks like when it comes to relationships. In our life. Now, I want to kind of dial back to the cross for a second, right? I want to kind of go back to who Jesus is and what he's done for us and how he continues to engage us in those things. So it's incredible to me. It is incredible to me that the God of all things is being nailed to a cross that his hands and feet are being nailed to pieces of wood, that he allowed himself to be beaten, that he is allowing himself to be tortured, one of the most inhumane's ever recorded in human history. That at any moment in time, he said, you know what? I'm done. I love these people, but enough is enough. I'm popping off this cross. I'm done. If you can't figure it out, that's on you. I gave you the law. I'm done. But, and he definitely didn't, obviously. That's why we're here over 2,000 years later, celebrating his sacrifice and resurrection. He gave himself, he persevered unto the end. And he said, I will sacrifice, I will lay into suffering, I will persevere to allow myself to show you how much I love you. Because what's fun is I kind of teased about, you know, Pastor Brad and Jeff and these guys kind of like giving me perseverance as I've been preparing, I'm like, I think perseverance might actually be one of the secret ingredients on how to truly love well, and how to truly show the love that God shows us to other people. Because God has done amazing things for us. The scripture says in Romans that while we were in our sin, while we were failures, while we could not get our act together, Jesus persevered and died for us and gave his life for us. And so as we think about how persevering kind of works for us, then I think we're liable to figure out, well, what does it mean to show that to other people? Now, if you're like me at all, when you're thinking about how do I persevere with other people, oftentimes we're probably on the other end of the spectrum where we're asking ourselves questions like, well, how many times do I have to put up with this person's junk before I can finally write them off? How many times do I have to let my... Spouse, or my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my teacher or this person do something unfair, uncruel, mean to me, challenge me, you know, all these different things before I'm allowed to write them off and say, I don't want you in my life. I'm unfriending you by Felicia and all those kind of things. We're done, you're dead to me. And we're counting down the moments or the days and we're looking for up outs to say, I don't want to invest in you anymore, I'm done. But I don't think that that's the kind of love that Jesus is giving us and here's why I think sometimes we hear a phrase like God is the God of a second chance God is the God of second chances and we buy into that to the to a fault and here's what I mean by this I don't think God is the God of second chances I think God is the God that takes the chance for us and then accredits his results to us I have a four-year-old daughter um, if I gave her a calculus exam today, she ain't gonna pass. My daughter doesn't like to count to 20, right? Like she's not gonna pass calculus. She has no idea what she's doing. She's never engaged it before. And I could be a gracious and loving, forgiving father of second chances and say, well, honey, I know that you're trying and that you've failed and that you've sinned against me in this math class. But guess what? You get a second chance. And then she's gonna be like, oh, well, now I get it and now I can ace it. No, like she's still going to fail the calculus exam. Most of us would fail a calculus exam, right? It has nothing to do with being four, right? And even those of us that might excel at calculus, the likelihood that we're going to ace it and God's like, no, 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 no. I'm not the God of second chances. Hear me out, I will take the test for you. I will live the life for you as the person of Jesus Christ. I will live according to God's ways perfectly. I will lead a sinless life and I will offer my body, my life as a sacrifice and it will pay for your entry fee, so to speak. And then he rose again and showed that the test cleared, that he aced it, that he actually had victory and power over death itself. And if we're willing to sign our name to his test paper, so to speak, if we're allowing to align our lives to his and say, I will follow you, then his results are then accredited to us. God is not the God of a second chance. God is the God of taking the chance for us and then ushering us into freedom thereafter and as then we look at that offering and look at how God gave himself to us, and then he says something like, love always perseveres, I think now we're challenged to start to give that type of love to others as well. Now, I wanna take a look here at a piece of scripture. You wanna open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. We've been walking through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, and he's explaining all these different aspects of what it, what it looks like for God to work in and through us and how that uh, works with other people as you build these relationships. And so he walks us through this love passage, love always trusts, hopes, perseveres, etc. But then... As you think about that concept of the fact that love always perseveres, he writes a second letter. It's called Second Corinthians, very creative. Okay, and he writes the second letter. And and a chunk of this in chapter eleven, he actually shows us what as a follower of Jesus perseverance can look like when you see what God is actually trying to do. So join me in Second Corinthians eleven, verse twenty-three. It says this, are they, are they servants of Christ? I'm, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I'm more. Now, this is not Paul bragging and being arrogant about who he is and what he's done. He's just saying, wait a second, watch how my life has had to suffer and persevere through this. He continues, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received the, the Jews, the, uh, the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers." I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and the Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of Damascus guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Like this man... If you read one of those phrases has probably suffered and persevered through more than almost, if not all of us. But the reason that he was willing to persevere is because he understood the level of A, the love that Jesus had poured out for him and the level of love that Jesus had for everyone else that he was trying to assist He understood that Jesus had fully, fully given himself, that he was the Lord, as he said in this passage, to forever be praised. That he was one that was worthy of following. And then Paul is saying, hey, I've now walked through this suffering. I'm encouraging you that if you face any type of persecution, suffering, something you have to bear, go through that seems unfair, that it's not, you it shouldn't be your lot in life, whatever it might be, that because of Jesus's great love, you too can rise to the challenge and be empowered by God to persevere as well. Let's face it, sometimes we go through things like this right as that passage opens up. That we're looking at all of these things of being working harder, that have been in prison more frequently, flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. That we walk through different illnesses. Different things happen in our life where a loved one goes through a medical emergency and we don't know how to walk alongside them in it, but we're going to. That we've been in situations where it seems like life is just hitting us in a very unfair way and we don't know how to get through it, but we know that with God's strength, we can that our circumstances seem like they can't be fair, but honestly, that's not up to us. And God is challenging us and encouraging us to persevere. You see, Paul knew exactly what he was suffering for. He knew that his cause of living this life was for the aspect of other people. He wanted the people that he came into contact with to see a tangible expression of the unending, never-ending love of Jesus, that it was more than just Jesus has an affinity for you and kind of likes you, but that he and I, being Paul, are willing to give of ourselves completely for the sake of you knowing Jesus. When when we have a vision for people, then we're able to do the same thing, and we're able to take those, those moments and those trials and really see them come to bear. You see, trials are a catalyst to gaining perseverance. Everyone is able to love when things are going easy. When health is there, when the money is there, when the situations are there, when the timing's right, when everyone's laughing, when it's a sunny day in Northeast Ohio, it's easy to love It's easy to be hunky-dory and easy to smile and easy to high-five, and it's easy to say, isn't this great to be together, that we're friends, that we're family, that we're walking through this part of life? But no one is impressed by that. That's what everyone does. That's what the worst people in the world do. When life is going fine, they're good with it too. And Jesus is calling us to something more. You see, Jesus' brother James In the letter that he writes in the scripture, he actually says, consider it pure joy when you face the trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and that that perseverance can finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You see, we have an opportunity to actually become more and more like Christ the more and more challenges we face the more and more we're willing to allow our lives be the one that loves through perseverance. It's kind of the proof of what we're talking about. So you might have a situation at home where you know a family member just continues to make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And you're looking for the out. You're like, I wanna be done. I can't handle this anymore. I can't, I can't come behind them anymore. I can't enable them anymore. I'm done. I want to walk out. But we have an opportunity to actually stand in the gap and show them that someone's actually in their corner, that love doesn't have an end of a rope, to offer the same hand that Christ offers to them, to offer that opportunity for redemption. We might have someone in our family get chronically ill or permanently injured, and instead of saying, like, I can't handle this mess, I can't handle this care, I can't handle this this season, I had dreams for what our life was going to look like, and this does not fit in those dreams, I'm going to graciously back out. And God says, no, no, no. Persevere. Love always perseveres. And we get to show that person that no one will bail on them, that God is looking out for them, that he has not forsaken them, but he will walk with them through that valley. And He has uniquely called us to do so. What happens if there's a, a child in our life or a sibling in our life that's more difficult than we could ever imagine? We have an opportunity to show them the patience that maybe no one else in life will ever show them but it shows them a glimpse of who God is and how much he loves them. And it goes on and on and on and on. These challenges are opportunities for us to respond in Christ-like love. That when things blow up, when people are difficult, that it's an opportunity to say, Jesus still loves you and I'm willing to come alongside you and walk with you through this. I had a fun opportunity to kind of explore this concept just a couple of weeks ago. My wife and I got to go down to the Outer Banks with our family and uh, spend a week down there, and and we had an absolute blast. And um, honestly, it was perfect weather, which never happens to us when we go to North Carolina, but this time, you know, that was the way it was going to work out. And my wife uh, really wanted to go paddle boarding. She's been wanting to go paddleboarding, and um, for some reason, um, I haven't been, you know, being proactive to make that happen. Can't imagine why, but I hadn't been doing that. So my wife tells me, hey, do you want to go parasailing today? I'm like, that sounds like a blast. Let's go parasailing. So we're walking down the lane, and we're headed toward this little outpost, and they do parasailing and all these different things and paddleboarding, and we're about five-minute walk away, and she says, hey... If they don't have parasailing today, what would you think about finally trying paddleboarding? Well, here I am a five-minute walk away. I mean, I could be a jerk and be like, No, like, you're dead to me. You do it by yourself. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be a loving husband, right? And I'm going to, you know, sure, honey, anything you want, let's do, yes, dear, please, dear, forgive me, dear, you know, all those kind of things. Yes, honey, I, if parasailing's not available, I will go paddleboarding with you. And it's like she knew parasailing wasn't available on that day, and she totally suckered me because we're going, oh, yeah, we don't do parasailing on these days. Great. Is paddleboarding available? Absolutely. I'm just like, hmm. I see you schemes right and so I sign up sign in the waiver here we go we're gonna go paddle boarding and we get out on the sound and uh, they're telling us you know how to get down and put your knees up look straight ahead then pop up and you know test your knees a little bit get your balance you know and then you know you row on one side row on the other and I'm like you know what I played some college sports you know I generally have a little bit of an athletic you know bone in my body. I probably got this, but my poor wife, like she, she walks, that's as athletic as she gets. You know, I'm like, she, man, poor her. She wanted to do this. She's going to fall in a bunch and boy, I, I hope she ha- God give her a good time while I nail this. You know, just like, I really hope, well, we, we get on the paddle boats and she gets up on her paddleboard first and I get on mine, get my knees, you know, right. And then I pop up, I start testing like, okay. Right, i think i got this and i got the paddle of like one two three and i lose it and biff it right into the water and i'm like i'm all right i'm good crawl back up on the board get my knees right hands up uh, pop up okay it's a little more wobbly this time already i'm not really sure what's going on okay i think i got it paddle One, two, about about 30 seconds, and I'm like, okay, I think I got, (laughs) and off again, I'm into the water. In the meantime, as I'm spitting the sound out of my mouth and trying to get up for the third time, Mandy's just looking at me pretty much like this. She's like, oh, yeah, how you doing over there, you know? And she's just paddle boarding along, you know, just looking great and fine, like, honey, love you. And I get up again, I'm like, okay, if she can do it, I can do it. And I get up again, and within 30 seconds again, I'm back in the water. And I get up again and I'm back in the water and I'm like, okay, okay. I have to do this. I can't let her drift off into the sunset with these two 24-year-old tour guides that look amazing for an hour and a half by herself. I I will follow her. And so I get up like, okay, I can try on my knees, right? So I'm on my knees now this time trying to stay on. And that at least, I only fell in from my knees about every 20 minutes at that point. Like I, I only fell in like four more times, right? And it was exhausting because like, I don't know if you've ever tried to be on your knees for an hour and a half trying to balance in the water when apparently you can't balance. It's great. You know, so she looks like this. I look like this, you know, like this is amazing, right? And like, I'm exhausted. So I, I would do this. I'd hunch over once in a while because my quads are just on fire, right? And so like we're going and like they're out there and they're like waiting for me. And eventually they get to the turnaround. One of the tour guides does a headstand on his board. The things that were running through my mind, you know, like it was not good. But then they're like, let's take a picture. And I couldn't look to the side without wobbling back off, right? So I actually had to lean forward, like this is how I'm taking a group picture. Like, hey, we're having a great time. You know, like, I'm like smiling so that Mandy has at least one nice memory of this moment. But like, it was, it was a beast, right? And that, that whole situation for me was just not good. It was not good right? And I knew all along that it wasn't going to be good because that's why I didn't proactively sign up for paddleboarding in the past, right? Because I knew this wasn't my first big guy rodeo. I'm like, it probably won't work out that well, right? I'm going to keep falling off. And, and sure enough, it played out that way. But let me tell you something. Mandy loves this story. <laughs> like she has pretty much told everyone she's come into contact with for like the last three weeks, And I do, I mean, I think she was in the mail, uh, the post office and was like, okay, you don't know my husband, let me tell you about paddle boarding. Like she's willing to tell everybody and anyone about this story, right? And it's just because she's excited, A, that it worked out in this way that she never fell in once. (laughs) And I fell in like eight times, right? Like it just totally worked out that way. And she also knew that I persevered through this. Now, this is a light moment and a fun moment, but let me tell you, this was terrible. I hated this. I don't want to go paddleboarding ever again, right? I wanted to turn around and go back to the dock 10 minutes in, right? But I'm like, no, my wife has been wanting to do this forever. I will fight through it to show her and demonstrate that I love her. And she knows that and loves that part of the story too. We can persevere through certain things that we don't like, that are unfair, that aren't up to snuff with us and don't work very well in our favor to continue to show that we love that person, that we have more than just an affinity for them, but we're willing to sacrifice our feelings, sacrifice our, our intentions, our priorities, because we love that person just like I'm pretty sure Jesus wasn't super excited about allowing his hands to be pierced on a piece of wood and hang and suffocate and bleed out on the cross, We can give of our preferences to continue to love people the way that God loves them. Now, this is where it starts to get a little bit tricky, because some of you might already be thinking to yourself, does that mean I have to put up with everything at all times from anyone, regardless of what's going on? No. There are a couple of instances that are principled in a sense that you don't necessarily have to just allow everything to keep crumbling on top of you. One is that it's an abusive situation. If it's a situation where all of it is directed completely on you and you know it's abuse, you can seek refuge and potentially freedom from that scenario. But always try to process that with godly counsel, godly advisors, to see if it's a situation where the community can rally behind and make sure you're not the only one with a certain perspective, that they can listen to you and hear you and help you and navigate with you and probably offer hope outside of that situation. The second situation is a, is a scenario where the scripture explicitly says to flee from this type of thing to flee from this sin, to walk away from this. The enemy is, like, there are opportunities, there are situations where even the Bible itself, where God made sure to write down for us, this is not a scenario that you should regularly find yourself in. But that's not most cases. Most cases are situations where we have an opportunity to persevere and show the love like Christ shows us. We have an opportunity to persevere through the challenges of some type of uh, healthy scenario. where maybe someone's challenging us to take a step forward, to actually grow and develop and become more like Jesus, to love someone better. And oftentimes we can respond and say, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to take those necessary steps. I don't want to do that. I don't want to grow in those ways. And I think God is saying consistently through the scripture, persevere, because on the other side is redemption that you can't fathom. I think there are other opportunities where we have to persevere through the consequences of our own sinful decisions, where sometimes we're the ones that put ourselves in an uncomfortable box that we now have to persevere through, that it might be something physical. It might be now the way that our brain works. It might be a relationship rift that, you know, it's like maybe we're facing singlehood on the other end of a relationship, and we're not sure how we found ourselves there, But whether it's your sin or their sin, sin has consequences. And we have to sometimes persevere through the consequences of that sin. And then there's also the opportunity where sometimes we have to uh, persevere through our own circumstances of some type of persecution that's outside of our own control. You're battling something that you have ideally against a school or a, or even the government or a, a, an airline or a taxi company. It doesn't matter. Where a circumstance outside of your control is kind of coming against you and now you kind of have to love through perseverance in those scenarios. Like, why do I deserve to have the overnight delay at an airport and now I'm put in this wonky hotel and I don't know how many roaches are staying with me tonight, but I was supposed to be on a flight home and I have this meeting tomorrow. Don't they know? Can't they fire up a plane and at least get me home? Like, I mean, and and suddenly we are so angry that we can't even initiate love with a stranger because of a circumstance that's outside of our own control. And how do we love through perseverance through those things? And whenever you're confused whenever you're like, is this a situation? Is this a relationship that I'm supposed to persevere through? That's exactly what the Christian community and godly counsel is for. That if you're in a life group, if you're in some type of biblical community, that this is the opportunity to process with those that know you and love you and say like, this is what I'm going through. Here's my circumstances. Here's how this relationship is playing out. Is this? Am I supposed to stick this out? How do I show them that kind of patience? How do I love them through this type of perseverance? What do I do? And we have an opportunity to seek that wisdom from God himself through prayer and from the people that he has surrounding us in the body. You see, one of the greatest gifts that God can give us is these trials. And that's why James said to consider it pure joy when you face them. Because you see, the greater the challenges that love endures, the deeper love roots itself in our hearts. Mandy wasn't doubting the love that I have for her before we went paddleboarding, but she knows I have at least this much more love than she realized after I fought my way through it. And I'm good with that side of the story. I actually don't care about that. My legs feel fine now, I'm no longer tipsy, I'm pro- and I've boycotted paddleboarding, so I'm good, right? But because of that perseverance, there was health, maturity, growth, redemption on the other side where love was proven. And we have an opportunity in these relationships with people that have wronged us, with people that have mistreated us, in scenarios where the system can't help help it, the way we treat employees at a company, a business, whatever it might be, we have an opportunity to persevere with love and show them something different than they've never seen before because of course you want to blow up and of course you want to give up and of course you don't want to do that again but my goodness, what kind of love is that that you would walk through this with such kindness and gentleness and hope and stick it out as we go through this what's fun about the passage that we've been in in 1 Corinthians 13 it has this great explanation, right that we've been walking through this entire series of what love looks like It trusts, it hopes, it doesn't keep record of wrongs, it's kind, but the beginning of that passage in verse one through three says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You see, sometimes it's really tempting to say the right things, to try to believe the right things, to do the right things, but still operate without the love side of the equation, and we don't understand why those difficult people in our life don't understand the truth like we do. And we don't understand why they, the faith that we have, that they don't want to just grab onto that and say, I get it. I and when we try to engage certain types of activity or service, they don't seem to respond in the, in the, in the loving way that we thought for sure would happen. And we're not sure why not but it's because we've been resting so much in our words and the truth and the acts that we forgot to give love. I don't know about you guys, but I like to be right. I really like to be right. And in some conversations, I really want you to know how right I am, sometimes at the cost of that relationship. And if you think about the big picture, that makes no sense that we would ruin a relationship, that we would end a friendship, that we would sever a familial tie just because I'm right. We get in arguments sometimes with people that we love, and we're so bent on proving ourselves that we're correct, that no one wins even after we've done so, because now we're just hurt, and the shrapnel is left behind. And there's no one to pick up the pieces because we were just resting in our own correctness. You see, love always perseveres. And when it looks at situations where of course you can say the right things, do the right things, believe the right things, but we have to do it in love. Otherwise, there is no response. And that's why Jesus showed us the depth of who he was, not by just proving that he was God or proving that he was right, but by sacrifice. And by willingly offering the suffering of himself and saying, I am willing to go the extra mile for you, for me. And now will you love like I have loved you? And the crazy thing is, it's not even just between us. It's not even perseverance just so you can see redemption. It's not even perseverance just so the person that you're walking through that circumstance with or that tension with can eventually find some type of redemption or expression of love. It's also kind of miraculous because everyone else is watching. You see, your neighbors, the people you're praying for, your coworkers, your classmates, your family that doesn't know Jesus, the people that you come into contact with at an airport or a grocery store, wherever people want to push your buttons, they're looking. And whether they realize it or not, their soul is longing for Jesus. And they're longing for the type of love that is described in 1 Corinthians 13. They want to see the kindness they want to see the love that doesn't keep records of wrongs, that always hopes, that always trusts, that always perseveres. They are longing for their Savior. And they have an opportunity to see it in us when we respond to the love that Jesus has given to us. That they can get a glimpse of the hope and the love that is in Christ when we allow ourselves to love the way that he's challenging us in these passages, when we love the way that he loved. And suddenly, the watching world sees a clearer picture of Jesus than they've ever seen before. And it doesn't make sense. Why would you stick that out? Why would you continue to go back to that person and help them out to walk them through that valley again? Why would you commit to seeing the redemption of that family member? Why would you take care of your parent after all the ways that they, why would you, why, and you could fill in your own, every one of us have a different circumstance. And the answer can always be because Christ loved me when I did not deserve it. Christ took the test for me and allowed me to link up with his results Christ gave himself up for me. Surely, I can persevere through this season, through this circumstance as we move forward. As a follower of Jesus, this is what we pray about. God, help me to see who you are, what you've done, and the ways in which I can love like that to others. Show me the people in my life that desperately need to see their Savior, that desperately need to see the love that Jesus has for each and every individual. God help me to love them. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, whether you're in the room, whether you're watching online, one of our live sites, whatever. God's got you in this moment right now to show you how much he loves you. That he's willing to go the extra mile. That even if you think you're too far gone, that you've messed up too many times, that you think if you walk into some scenario too many, that God will strike you down. I would humbly say you're wrong. He loves you. It's why you're even in the earshot of this message today. He's offering a hand to you. He wants to show you a love like you've never known before. He wants to show you acceptance like you've never known before. He wants to show you a community of people that aren't perfect, but that are people that are trying to respond to this incredible love that God has given to them. And if they do, watch out. Watch the love of God change lives, families, communities, and the world. So I would encourage you today to make that leap to engage and sign your name to Jesus' calculus test. To say, Jesus, I, I want to line my life up with yours. You're the one that sacrificed for me to have life. You're the one that loves me beyond what I can even understand. Let me accept and know and understand that love and help me, help me to give it to others. As we spend some time with the band kind of reflecting through some music and and worshiping this God that has given himself to us. I want to encourage you, you know what to pray about. I didn't have to guess for you what your situation is that you're having a hard time persevering through. You know the relationship that's difficult. You know the scenario that you're not sure why you're in it. You know the health challenges that you're facing. You know the family member that you don't know how to, you know And I want to encourage you to spend some time in prayer, giving yourself to God and allowing him to start showing you how to work your life for the good and the love of those people and those circumstances. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for being the God that takes the chances for us. gives his life for a sinner like me that dies on the cross to sacrifice himself so that I would have a chance at giving my life to you. Father, I pray for anyone that's listening that if they don't know you, if they don't know this love, that they would give their life to you, that they would ask for forgiveness, that they would ask for your help, for your redemption, for your transformation of life, and begin to show them this love that is so incredible, so undeniable, so unrelenting. Father, help us to reflect it. Help us to see you as clearly as we possibly can so that we are willing to give it so freely to others thank you, Jesus, for who you are, what you've done, and what you will do. In your name we pray. Amen.